As I kneel in the darkness In the middle of the night Lord, I'm praying for assurance Everything's gonna be alright And Lord, I see another valley And it's out in front of me I'm afraid I won't be able
You can be seated. Um, well, we're going to change directions a little bit here this morning, and uh, we'll be staying in a different vein for as long as the Lord leads here. You know, uh, we live, I believe, in the very last days. And the Bible declares of these days in which we live that they are perilous or dangerous times. Amen. How many of you agree with that? Thus, the ramifications and the implications of a Christ-rejecting culture gone mad are evident all around us. And we see this on a day-to-day basis. Our nation under divine judgment seems to sink deeper and deeper into reprobation each day. When you walk on the streets, you confront people in their sin, you uh, preach the gospel to sinners and reason with individuals. It seems as if people have lost the very understanding of who God is. There is a rejection of the word of God across the board. Of course, there are exceptions to that. But as a general rule, our culture is being turned over to sin and reprobation. Sin abounds. The devil rages. And the professing church waxes more and more bizarre with evil. Each passing spiritual fad. You know, I hear something, you know, that's being done, uh, you know, recently in some church somewhere, some new thing like this, uh, doing the Harlem Shake or uh, something like that. I think could it get any worse than that? And then the next month or next six months, I hear something else that indeed is worse than that. Amen. Why is that? We are under judgment in America. Amen. And this is a generation that is being turned over. It is dangerous. It is a perilous time to be alive. Amen. And if this were not enough, even among those who profess to be born again, many seem double-minded and unstable. Too often, backsliding is the norm rather than the exception. In fact, it could be said that we live in an apostate generation. And when I use that term, I simply mean this. Today, there are far more falling away from their profession of Jesus than truly coming to repentance. And I believe if we're honest with ourselves, amen, that's our experience as well. You know, I've been born again for 26 years. That's not really that long. But in those 26 years, I've been a part of three local churches besides this church that I have pastored. Amen. Of those three churches that represent upwards of 1,000 people, and that is conservative because I was in some of those churches for years, and, uh, you know, they may have had 150 people uh, always there, but they had many people coming in and coming out. You understand what I'm saying? So at least 1,000 souls are represented uh, in those three churches, and, of course, I don't know where everybody is that I once uh, knew in these churches, but the ones I do know, and I know a lot of of them. Very few people are still in Christ. Very few people I know are even going to church. Amen. But the ones that I do know are going to church are going to some facade. Amen. Some counterfeit religious, you know, uh, blasphemy like healing place. And so I don't consider them Christians at all. Amen. So I could probably count on just my two hands the people that I know that I had once had fellowship with that once were in the house of God that once could be considered born again believers that are still walking with Jesus. And that confirms, amen, that we live in an apostate generation. Most people do not make it. Most people do not make it. 
Amen. That's not to discourage us, to say that we cannot make it, because we can. It's not a reflection on God, amen, because God has provided everything we need to make it. It's a reflection on the unfaithfulness of men. But it must be said, and it should be acknowledged, that these are dangerous times, perilous times. Thus, seeing these things are so, the Spirit of God has given me several messages to warn and to exhort us to endure unto the end and these messages of course will be applicable to everyone but you know the spirit of God has really given me a burden to speak to these young people because you know you young people and here in this church um, you know for many years all the children were smaller and under the oversight of parents as of course they all are right now but as you grow older it's a little bit different experience for a young person who awakens incrementally, amen, to their, to their adulthood. And so as new ground is realized and as uh, you awaken to uh, new areas of autonomy and you must consecrate that to Jesus, you must give, you may have given all of your life to Christ at 12, amen, but by your 14 now, you enter into a new realm, things you didn't even understand or know, now you're awakening to and you must consecrate that afresh, amen into the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you become 16 and 17 and 18 and, and grow up into adulthood, there are going to be choices and decisions that you must make that are going to determine the direction that you take for the rest of your life. And you need to choose Jesus. Amen? You need to choose Jesus. Reading first this morning from the book of Proverbs, chapter 26. Book of Proverbs, chapter 26, and verse 11. If you're born again here this morning, you're blessed. Amen? You're a blessed individual. Amen? You, 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 you have been given, you've been privileged to know the Lord Jesus Christ, to have the Word of God, to be a partaker of the divine nature. If you're a young person who's been born into a Christian family and you have had Christian oversight, amen, and uh, I would hope that you're born again, but even if you hadn't been born again, to have uh, the oracles of God presented to you, to have the life of Jesus Christ demonstrated before you, you are a blessed and a privileged individual. And to whom much is given, much is required. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. Now turn over to the New Testament. This is where, we're, where we'll take our text from, Second Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. Second Peter two twenty. That's where we'll begin. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled there and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again. 
and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Our thought here this morning, when dog vomit and pig manure become more attractive than Jesus. When dog vomit and pig manure become more attractive than Jesus. Shocking title. Even more shocking when people fall into this spiritual state. Amen. And let me tell you something. You forsake Jesus. That's exactly what's happened to you. You forsake the Lord Jesus Christ and you choose the manure of this world. That's what you say to Jesus Christ. And indeed, as Proverbs says, it's a fool who returns to his own folly. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for the fear of the Lord in this house, Father. I pray that we could rightly see, rightly think, Father. Give us eyes. Give us ears to hear, a heart to perceive and understand, Father God. I pray, Lord, that the truth indeed would make us free. We would acknowledge the truth. We would embrace the truth, Father God, and that we would humbly submit ourselves to you and to your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Now, the Apostle Peter here, under divine inspiration, uses this Old Testament proverb to describe backsliding and to describe apostasy, amen? And before we delve too deeply into our topic here, I believe it's important to define our terms. And, um, you know, there's a difference between backsliding and apostatizing, though we rarely recognize that in practical application. In other words, we kind of use those terms interchangeably, uh, and there is, of course, uh, they do their kindred terms, but there is a distinction between the two. To backslide, if you will, is to lose any spiritual ground, to draw back, to fall into any level of unbelief that causes a forfeiting of spiritual progress. Amen. Did you hear me? Amen. You can be backslidden here this morning. If you're not more on fire for God here today than you ever have been, then you are backslidden. Amen. So backsliding is a losing of spiritual ground. But to apostatize is to be in a backslidden state and to willfully resist the Holy Ghost, to deny the Word of God, to shun Christ, and to cast off restraint for the sole purpose of going back into the world. Amen. It's a further step of backsliding. It is the conclusion or the end of backsliding. Amen. to force oneself through the roadblocks of grace to enjoy the pleasures of sin. Could there be anything more wicked, more evil, and more vile than that attitude of heart? I think not, amen? Backsliding always precedes apostasy. Those who apostatize always first backslide. But those who backslide, praise God, amen, don't have to necessarily apostatize, though backsliding is the beginning of apostasy and a very, very dangerous state of heart. Apostasy is to go back, to return, to embrace and to partake of that which we once abandoned and forsook, amen, that we might gain the Lord Jesus Christ. As unthinkable as it seems, it's exactly as the apostle describes, as the dog returns to his own vomit and the pigs out to wallowing in her own mire and manure. Amen? Obviously, there are several deteriorating character changes 
that must develop before one arrives at such a low spiritual state. Someone isn't just on fire for God one day. Someone isn't just walking closely with the Lord Jesus Christ one day and the next day. They're lusting after pig manure. It doesn't work like that. Something has to change. Amen. For vomit, dog vomit, and pig manure. Amen. To be attractive, appetizing, alluring, and enticing to an individual. The individual's very nature must be corrupted into something other than a new creature. What are these changes that take place? If someone becomes attracted by the world, If someone is being pulled away from Jesus, amen, literally considering forsaking Jesus for that, what has to happen in the heart? First of all, place must be given to the devil. Amen, spiritual ground must be yielded to the enemy. Ephesians 4.27 commands us, neither give place to the devil. Neither get, now we can quote this, amen. We can talk about, we can hear it preached over and over again, and we have. And we've read over this verse, each and every one of us, perhaps hundreds, if not thousands of times. But what does it really mean? You know, I find so often when I sit down and counsel people, and as I begin to probe into their thinking and the, you know, the patterns of how they uh, come to the, to the conclusions that they do and the reasoning that they employ on a day to day basis, that they are violating the word of God over and over and over and they are entertaining thoughts that are inconsistent with what Jesus said. And no wonder they're having trouble. They are giving place to the devil. Ultimately, both backsliding and apostasy begins by giving place to Satan. There must be some sin, some unbelief, some offense, etc., which is nurtured rather than quickly confessing and forsaking that sin. This essentially is what opens the door for, an in- for the enemy. Now, we know as holiness believers, and there are no other kind of believers, we believe in holiness Christianity. There is no other type of Christianity. You are to live free from sin. Amen. Through the grace of God, you can have victory. You never need to sin again. But we also acknowledge that it's possible to sin. But if you sin, listen to me, friend. You better hear what I'm saying to you. If you do sin, you had better quickly repent and get up and walk with Christ or you are giving place to the devil you are giving place to the enemy remember we're warned in Proverbs 28 and 13 he that covereth his sins shall not prop well I'm going to just wallow in this for a while and feel sorry for myself for just just a day or two I don't plan on going to hell I know I'm going to make it right one Proud, haughty, resisting Jesus and the conviction of God. Whenever you're convicted, you had better not cover that sin. Not even for a moment. If you know you've sinned, you had better make it right. Because if you don't, you're not going to receive mercy. And you're not going to prosper. All it's going to do is give place 
to the devil. And I can tell you, if you're quick to repent, amen, that's the easiest time to do it. The longer you wait, the harder it will become. The enemy is going to come in like a flood. Remember, Jesus said, agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost for thee. In other words, if you're offended, amen, if someone does something to you, either uh, consciously or unconsciously, and you sense that you've uh, been offended, you better go to them. You better make it right. You better confess. Amen. You better bring it into the light and deal with it. Because if you don't, you are giving place to the devil. Many people, amen, in hell right now that backslid in this life, it began because they got offended just swept it under the rug. Seemed like such a little thing, but it began to eat upon them like a canker and it opened the door for the devil. The apostle Paul wrote, lest Satan should get an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. You see, you cannot battle. You cannot overcome in this war if your conscience is defiled. You must have a clean conscience before God and before man. Believers who refuse to quickly repent of any sin, amen, leave the back door open, amen, for the devil, amen. Ephesians 6 and 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Amen, there's two implications to this passage. Amen, I can stand, amen, if I put on the whole armor of God. But if I don't have all the armor of God, I'm not going to stand. not going to be able to stand, Amen. You see, no man is a match for the enemy, for the wiles of the devil apart from the grace of God. All sin, of course, is dangerous, but particularly so when it is unconfessed and unforsaken. When we nurse sin, when we nurse offense, when we know that we're wrong, when we've stumbled and we refuse to repent, when there's offense between a brother or sister, there's something amiss, and we refuse to go and bring it into the light. We are giving place to the devil. And I tell you, he's coming with a message. And that message isn't going to line up with the Bible. Amen. He's coming, amen, to deceive. And he's coming to delude. And he's not coming to bless you. He's coming to curse you. He's coming with a message. And that message is not the truth. He is the father of all lies. He's going to seek to lie to you and to deceive you. Hebrews 3 and 13, but exhort one another daily. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. See, sometimes we think, well, if I, I did get in a little sin. I, I made a mistake. But no, no harm done. No, no. Sin always brings hardness of heart. It always has a hardening effect upon the heart. Sin always carries with it a certain level, amen, of deception. This is an inescapable absolute that none of us should ignore. And if we fear God as we should, then we will recognize this truth. We must understand how lethal a satanic weapon sin is in the life of a fallen believer, amen. You see, the devil, he's going to come from one side and he's going to vehemently tempt you, amen, to transform transgress the law of God. Amen. If you resist him, amen, of course the Bible says he will flee. But he's going to put up a fight. There's going to be 
a test. And the enemy is going to try every trick in his satanic bag to get you to fall into sin. Amen. And if you do fall, then he's going to go on the other side. And now he's going to wax, amen, into a perverted holiness preacher to try to keep you from the cross of Christ. Just give up. Amen. You're a reproach to Jesus. You fell. Why don't you just go out into the world? Just throw in the towel. You see, he is your enemy. And he hates you. Don't give any place to the devil. You see, the cycle of satanic deception. If you don't sin, you don't open the door for all that kind of warfare. See, you find people living this roller coaster experience in their Christianity. Up and down. Backward and forth. Don't know whether they're born again. Amen. On Monday, Wednesday night, they got the Holy Ghost and healed everybody. By Friday again, they don't know whether they even got the Holy Ghost. Just up and down, inconsistent, and they play these games with the devil. And the devil is taking them around the block, deceiving them and deluding them. You see, listen to me. Stand in the grace of God. Resist the enemy. Don't fall into sin. But if you do fall into sin, then repent. Rise up quickly and make it right with the Lord Jesus Christ. Once you've been convicted or corrected by the Holy Ghost for any transgression, the longer you wait to repent, the more place that you give to the devil. Submit yourselves to God. We just heard that preached. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's what God says to do. You see, a lot of times when you say... I'm just not worthy. Well, it's all, you know, counterfeit humility for you to refuse to repent. The righteous thing for you to do, if you do sin, whatever sin it is, is to submit yourself to God. And what God wants you to do is to confess and forsake that sin. Make it right. Amen. Put it under the blood and rise up and take the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. The more time you give the enemy, the closer, amen, you're going to begin to levitate to the kennel and you're going to lead to the pig pen. Amen. The longer you give, uh, you know, a door open to the enemy, he is going to work on your soul. He is going to work overtime, amen, to corrupt you and to defile you and to deceive you and to delude you. Oh, Brother Rick, you don't understand. I've been raised in this all my life. I'll never forget it. You're a fool! You live in sin sooner or later. You will call Jesus the devil and the devil Jesus. One way or the other. You may deny God. You may profess to be an atheist. But that's exactly what the atheist is doing. Amen. He is living autonomously rejecting God. Amen. Spiritual understanding and knowledge is not something you can merely maintain with your intellect. Amen. Your spirit must be right. Your heart must be right. Your heart must be right. Amen. There can be no spiritual growth. Amen. If we don't submit ourselves, amen, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Some may think, I wish I could evade temptation altogether. And I've heard young people say this. Why do I have to be tempted like this? Amen. You see, listen to me, this newly found autonomy as you uh, grow up in age and suddenly, you know, these new frontiers of responsibility are provided to you. You know, now you can drive and mama sends you, amen, to uh, the grocery store to pick up a bag of sugar. And so you drive down to the grocery store and ideally there should be two together for accountability. But even two together, sometimes there's a lot more liberty so to speak, 
Amen. When mother and father is not there and the thought hits you, there's nobody in here. I could go over to this side of the store and look at those magazines that are always so tempting. Nobody will even notice. Amen. You see, these are newfound areas where before mother and father were always there. You see, listen to me. As a grown man, I don't have a mother and father following me around Walmart, making sure I don't cut through the women's clothing department. Amen. But I tell you who I do have. I got the Holy Ghost. Amen. I got Jesus. And I don't want to look at a women's brassiere. Uh, amen. With Jesus right here. Amen. I'm not, I'm not, listen to me. I've got Jesus watching me. I've got Jesus with me. And there's got to be this transition for you to understand. Amen. It's not just mother and father. In fact, for you to live in victory, you've got to be cognizant that Jesus is Lord, and you're under his oversight. You won't, don't want to do anything that grieves him, amen? But you cannot avoid testing, amen? You see, listen to me. We must remember testing is something God uses to develop character. Without the fire of testing, amen, there can be no, no development of character. In fact, we cannot even be conformed to the image of Christ apart from testing. Why is this testing? Why is this fiery trial come upon me? The Bible says you shouldn't Think that's strange, amen? You're being conformed to the image of Christ. Without that test, amen, then God is not able, amen, to mold and break and shape and cause you to be solely and completely, to teach you to be solely and uh, completely dependent upon him. Amen. James 1, 2 through 4, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire and wanting nothing. First Peter 1, 6-7. And these verses, of course, particularly you young people, you've read through these time and time again. But you know, I found even as a father, as I'm ministering to my own children who have been exposed to these verses all of their life. When experience comes and their heart's not right, amen, they begin to utter things contrary to the word of God. And it reveals that they don't have the slightest idea what this even means. They want to escape it. Which reveals, listen to me, if your highest aim in life is to be conformed to the image of Christ, bring on the testing. Amen. If that's the only way I can be like Jesus, then bring on the testing. Wherein ye greatly rejoice. You see, this is why the apostle is writing. This is why the Holy Ghost is saying this. Amen. That there is a rejoicing. Count it all joy. Because the end of this testing is going to be conformity to Christ. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You see, there can be no spiritual growth. There can be no spiritual progression without testing. Hence, temptation is not something we may necessarily enjoy, but it's something we embrace. We know the latter end, and we also recognize it's impossible for us to avoid temptation. Others, amen, will erroneously ask, how can I learn about sin? How can I know that it's dangerous but by experience? Let me tell you something. 
In the natural realm, you can learn a lot of things by experience. And I will agree or concede in the spiritual realm, there are times that we do learn by experience. But the highest plane of learning, amen, in the spiritual realm is through revelation, amen? And by faith, we are to believe what God said about I don't have to be a sodomite to figure out that sodomy, amen, is, uh, you know, wrong. I don't have to do crack cocaine and become a drug addict to realize that that's counterproductive, amen? I, I don't have to participate in sin to know sin is wrong and that the way of a transgressor is hard. If that were the truth, then lots of people would be delivered from sin because they're all in it, amen, and they're all having a horrible time, and if they continue to do it, you don't learn that sin, amen, is bad through experience. You learn that sin is bad because God said it's bad, and you just need to believe it, amen. You just need to believe it. In fact, you know, the devil will turn this whole thing around and tell you the reason that, you know, your daddy is such a strong Christian is because he was out of the world and he was steeped in sin. Amen. And, and he experienced sin. And that's why he's so on fire for God. And I was raised here in the church, poor, miserable me, and protected all my life. Listen to me. That's a wicked and an evil thought. You unthankful. Obstinate, proud. What a terrible thought. The highest privilege to be raised, to be protected. All this, listen to me, for you to be protected, to have the oversight of Jesus Christ and your parents, is to bring you to the crossroads of your life where you choose to give all to Christ. And you know, parents, let me tell you something. Raising these children up, hey, but you know, in the beginning, uh, without any, uh, you know, experience at all, we thought, well, of course, it, you know, it has turned out a little bit different than I thought it would. I have to be honest. But I can tell you, this, I'm seeing, listen to me, all the instruction, we know this is true. It's, we know this principle, all the instruction, all the protection. It's not going to make that deep of a moral change in the heart of in, an individual. The only thing that's going to really change them is for them to be born again and be filled with the Holy Ghost. But don't you make a mistake. If they truly will give themselves to God, then that purity, amen, that, that protection, amen, that atmosphere, then it's going to come to fruition. But it'll be their choice. It's a young person. You can take what God intended to be a blessing. And perhaps there's no more accountable people on planet earth than people like yourselves. You have been given so much. And yes, it has been placed in your hand, in your hand alone, to trample it under your foot and to choose pig manure and dog vomit instead. It's within your power to do it. What are you going to do? That's the question. God forbid that you choose anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. First of all, amen, place has to be given to the devil. Secondly, the lie is allowed to become more influential than the truth. 
the life for you to choose, for you to look out there and to see that. And I know, listen to me, I'm a human being just like you are. I've been tempted. I've been utterly deceived before. I know the wiles of the enemy. And I know that the enemy can paint death as life. Amen. I know that it can be attractive and enticing. But if I believe the Bible, amen, I understand what's under, you know, that religious veneer or that veneer of deception. It's death and that's what it is. I'm not going to waste my time meditating and fantasizing about what the devil intends to use to choke me to death. I'm going to put it away. But you see, if you give place to the devil, you listen to enough lies, then you begin to, amen, punch the play button on the satanic message more so than hearing what God has to say about it. Amen, we know that the truth shall make us free according to the words of Jesus. And as I've mentioned many times before, if truth is always associated with liberty, then it stands to reason bondage is always gendered by the lie. First Timothy 4 and 1, now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, that's the days in which we live, some shall depart from the faith. How do they depart from the faith? They give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, when we consider this passage, we need to understand and recognize, amen, doctrines of devils, amen, and seducing spirits are not just preaching, you know, doctrines like once saved, always saved, and Calvinism. Though I agree, those are doctrines of devils inspired by seducing spirits. I believe that. But doctrines of devils also include the hundreds, if not thousands, of suggestions that undermine our relationship with Jesus that bombard our mind every day. Amen. Now listen to me. The most dangerous element to your Christianity is not some false teacher on the radio. Amen. But the devil speaking to your own autonomous reason for you to receive the lie and meditate on things that are contrary to the word of God. If you give place to any lie and I'm here to tell you any thought Any impression that's contrary to the word of God is satanic. Now you think about that. And and you know, I remember as a young Christian, when I began to read the scriptures, of course, and that scripture about we, you know, wrestle not against flesh and blood. We we read where we're to take every thought captive. All these uh, scriptures about spiritual warfare. And I understood, amen, that every thought I'm to bring, amen, uh, captive to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I begin to, you know, take inventory to be aware by the Spirit of God. And uh, I was amazed at how many thoughts came into my mind that were against the Word of God. Uh, More often than not, they were twisted and perverted and very subtly presented to me. But then I realized I've got to take authority over my thought life. See, if you give place to any lie, which is essentially anything contrary to the word of God, then you are building, as it were, your own spiritual gallows. And make no mistake, 
Satan is going to exploit every uncrucified lust, every area of your life that's not fully submitted to Jesus Christ. What you refuse to surrender to God, the devil's going to steal it from you anyway and beat you to death with it. Amen? You've got to give all. Everything has to be given. Everything must be crucified. Amen? Because listen to me, even when you are fully sanctified, there's still a warfare. If there's areas in your life that you refuse to submit to Christ, and ultimately, amen, just as Brother Charlie said this morning, ultimately, amen, you're going to find out what you're in this for. Galatians 6 and 14, the Apostle Paul said, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. You know, I told my children just a week or two ago, after I heard Brother Charlie uh, one of his uh, exhortations in Sunday school. And I told him, I said, I, I, lo- I love being a Christian. I, this, this is it for me. End of the road. I have nowhere else for me to go. I don't, you know, am I, am I ever in time? Of course I am. But I know with that. It's like if I told you, if you walk out this door, there's a big six-foot-eight man with a 12-gauge shotgun and a baseball bat. And he's going to beat you to death and shoot you right in the face with a shotgun. You know, if you believe me, doesn't matter what someone offers you to walk out the door, you're not going out there. Come on. Amen. It's just it's that simple. Someone could offer me a billion dollars and then tell me it's laced with anthrax. I mean, I need a billion dollars. That'd be great. But I know it's going to kill me. So there's no use even me thinking about it because I'm not that stupid. Amen. You see, this is what Christian, if we will just believe the Bible. It will insulate us, amen, from receiving the lie of the devil. When he comes, he's so subtle and he's so crafty, amen, and he can paint things in such a way, amen, we need to close our ears off, amen, from hearing what the enemy has to say to us. But if we give him ground and then there's areas of our life unsubmitted, amen, patterns where we know, amen, we're not giving what we ought to, we're not doing things according to the word of God, then we are vulnerable in the extreme. Truth indeed makes free. But it must be embraced with more than the intellect. It must be hidden in the heart. Amen. The Bible says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. By the truth shall it not. Now what you buy and tend on keeping, you generally hide. Especially if you know there's someone there to steal it. And you see, when you buy the truth, you have no intentions whatsoever to sell it, then you hide it in your heart. That's the only place it's going to do any good. If you don't go that far, amen, then you are going to sin against God because it's the only truth that can keep you from sinning against God. If you just dabble in religion, you just dabble in Christianity, you just see what Jesus can do for you. I'm going to try this out for a little while. I'm going to see, I'm going to test the waters. You'll receive nothing from God because you're double-minded and unstable. You've got to give all. Amen, and you will receive all. Amen. Now, basically, the nature of the satanic trap follows this fundamental pattern. The enemy will attempt to paint Christ and the way as negative. That's what the devil's going to do. He hates God. He hates you. 
He hates love. He hates peace. He hates joy. He hates blessing. He hates everything about the kingdom. He's going to paint the way and he's going to paint Christ as negative. It's restrictive. I've been raised in this environment. It's so oppressive. Isn't that oppressive to live like that? Well, yeah, it's oppressive if you're a devil. Amen? Amen. Well, who was that the other one? Was it uh, SOU there complaining about how we oppress women? Who, who was that? Somebody. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> so we're oppressive to No, we're not oppressive to women. We're oppressive to Jezebels. And I pray that we would be so much oppressive to Jezebel. May she be tormented. Amen. <laughs> But no real woman, amen, of God is going to be tormented by the scriptures and by the way, amen. But you see, this is the enemy. It's oppressive. And not only that, even the enemy will undermine faith in God and say, how can you trust? How can you trust? How are you going to in this little church here? If you're going to submit to your parents and wait for a husband to come or wait for a wife to, who, who are you going to marry? How that's going to happen? I told my boys the other day, we were talking about this. I said, why don't you just believe God? He created a woman out of nothing. There were no women in the garden. He created one. He can find you one. Just believe him. What an accusation against God that he can't handle getting you a mate. You see, listen to me. What we don't realize is these thoughts that people often sympathize, they're really wicked and vile. They're not front to God Almighty. You know, God hates unbelief just like he hates murder. Yes, he does. And to accuse, to receive these accusations, how am I going to make a living? Maybe I need an education. Maybe I need, what are all these questions that the enemy puts in your mind? I mean, listen to me. God can handle it. And if you will, if you will walk in the way of God and leave it to God, then your life, listen to me, will be patterned after the divine way. And the divine way, as Brother Charlie had said one time, is the way that if in eternity you could look back in retrospect, amen, you would say, that's the way I would have chosen in the first place. Because God is good and God is benevolent. Amen. And God, listen to me. If he doesn't give it to you, then it's going to destroy you anyway. If you're not married right now, then you're not ready to get married. See, if you want Jesus, these are comforting words. Yes, they are. They're comforting. They're good words. They nourish the soul. Amen. See, just humble yourself. Give yourself, surrender everything to God and let God work out all the details. This is what faith will do and this is what you must do. But if you listen to the enemy, if there's these areas of your life where you're discontented and you've not submitted yourself to God, then you are going to be exploited, amen, by the enemy. In the beginning, he will employ great subtlety. But once the heart is open to the lie, he will follow with outright accusations against God. We must realize every thought of unbelief at the core is an accusation against God. And it is gross and grievous sin 
to even suggest that God couldn't take care of you. To even suggest what's going to happen in the future. Listen to me. These are thoughts that you must burn the bridge on and take immediately recognize this is satanic. You see, 26 years ago, I sold out to Jesus Christ. Amen. I burned the bridge with the world. Amen. It doesn't mean that I'm not tempted. And it doesn't mean that potentially if I fell into such a state, I could be pulled back into the world. I must, you know, carefully and very humbly abide in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I can stand before you here this morning and tell you, I am a changed man. Amen. Not just on the externals, but in the heart. Amen. In the motives, in the intents, in the desires. And that supernatural work must be done in every man. Amen. I know what the world is. And I know that it will kill me. And not only will it kill me, it will bring a reproach. And even more importantly, it will bring a reproach upon Christ. Amen. Moreover, part of the deception is often unspoken and an unconscious sense of false security. First of all, he's going to paint, amen, the way in Christ is negative. He's going to also paint, amen, sin and the world as positive. Oh, it's fulfilling. Look how much fun. How, how much, how liberated you could be if you would just choose this. You would bloom as a flower if you would just, you're being oppressed and you're being, you know, uh, squelched. And if you would just come out here. And not only, you know, again, a lot of you uh, young people have thought, well, you made it. Brother, Brother Bob made it. He spit in Jesus' face. He did. He spit in Jesus' face and walked away. He made it. Thank God he made it. But I can tell you one thing. There are hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of Brother Bobs out there that are in hell that didn't make it. And the devil ain't gonna talk, the devil ain't gonna tell you that. Not only that, listen to me. For you to know and be presented with what most of you young people in here have been presented with most of your life. For you to resist that. For you to harden yourself against the truth that has been displayed before you. What's going to have to happen to bring you to repent? See, listen to me. This is, a, this is the thought. I'll just go out there and try it for a few years and then I'll get right with God. You're, you're so deceived. See, if we could just tell Jesus when we're getting right with him, then we would be Lord, wouldn't we? No, no. It don't happen like that. You just one day say, I'm going to get right with God. Now you find people, you, you hear the testimonies of people that walked away from the truth, amen, that when they decided to get right with God, they couldn't! They wept, they cried, they came in churches, they cleaned the pews, they spent hours in the altar crying out to God, and the heavens were brass! Or their car uh, careened off the highway and plummeted into the side of a cliff or into a tree and they burst into flames. And as they were uh, gasping their last dying breath, burning in the flames, they cried to God, but God wasn't there. That's the story you hear. You walk away from this, young person. I'm going to pray for you. Your mother's going to pray for you. 
and your father's going to pray for you. Amen? But I can tell you one thing. Very unlikely that people that do that would ever come back. I'm not saying it's impossible. And if any of you do, I'm going to believe for you. Amen? But I can tell you, you're playing Russian roulette with your soul. You're playing Russian roulette with your soul. Amen? It's not like that. How many times I've seen people who didn't know what you've known and walked away from the truth and a year later, two years later, three years later, I know I need to get right with God. I I turn on the news and I'm afraid because I know it's the last days. I walk down the street every day and look into the clouds and think Jesus could come back today and I'm not ready. But there's nothing in me that wants to get right with God. There's no feeling. There's no draw. I don't sense anything. I don't sense any concern other than there's a terror from time to time. What an awful, awful thing. What a a terrible experience. You see, there's only one door. You've heard me say this. There's only one door in the kingdom. His name is Jesus. There's only one way you're getting into this kingdom. You're getting in this kingdom through Christ. He's the only way. But there's only one way you're getting out of this kingdom. Amen. You're going to have to walk through that door. You're going to have to stare Jesus in the face. And you're going to have to tell him, get out of my way and get out of my way fast so I can partake in some dog vomit and I can wallow in some pig manure. Now, if you get that hard, what's it going to take to bring you to repentance? If you get that hard, where dog vomit and pig manure, and that's what that is. Every fantasy that you've ever had about that is pig manure and dog vomit. When that becomes more attractive to you than the Lord Jesus Christ, you're in great, great trouble. You see, listen to me. Part of the deception also is going to be this unspoken, unconscious sense of false security. The enemy will somehow sell you the thought It shall not be so with me. It shall not be so with me. It's been true with others. You know, my children have watched this all their life as a pastor. They've seen people destroyed. There's never been an exception. Never. In their whole life, every example where they watch people, amen, uh, you know, willfully resist the truth and go out into the world, every time, utter destruction. They've seen it over over and over again. But I've noticed, even as they've been tempted, the devil's telling them, it's not going to be that way with you. You see, listen to me. If you think you're going to step outside the umbrella of the grace of God and not be deceived, then you're already deceived. If you believe that you're not going to be deluded, then you're already deluded. Ultimately, listen to me, you must see it as poison. I mean, just like you picking up a glass of strychnine and saying, I can, I can drink this and live. What a lie. Amen. What stupidity to believe that you could survive that. Amen. Listen to me. If you partake of sin and the world, the repercussions for you, amen, will be the same as those that you've seen destroyed because God is no respecter of persons and not only that you're even more accountable than most people that you've ever seen backsliders almost always in some form or fashion embrace the idea that they are the lone exception 
If you believe sin will not deceive you, then you're already deceived. Amen. Already deceived. You see, remember, whatever the devil may use as spiritual bait, he has absolutely, amen, no real concern for you or for your future. And see that voice that sympathizes with you and your those people in the church, they don't really care about me. I'm going to find some, some other friends. You think the devil cares about you having friends? He'll take every friend you got. See, he's a, he's a, he's a, you know, it's one thing to be sinned against. It's another to be conned and sinned against. That should make an individual angry. It's one thing when someone breaks into your home and steals from you. It's another thing when someone comes up, puts their arm around you, and makes like their friend sneaks in your house and under your nose steals from you. You say, you've been duped. Well, that's what the enemy's like. That's the nature of the devil. He don't care. He's just playing you like a little whore. He's just playing you like a little fool. And he just comes up and puts his arm around you in the spirit and whispers, whatever's bothering you, whatever you're, you know, how am I ever going to get, that's right, you'll never find a wife in that little bitty church way out in the middle of nowhere. If you just go, hey, God is going to my marriage. If a man, the Bible says if a man find a wife, you need to go look for one and just begin to twist the Bible and speak these little lies. He don't care whether you get married or not. He wants to send you a Jezebel. You go out there and marry Lucifer herself. There'll be another hurdle for you to get into the kingdom of God. You know what he wants you for? He wants to delude you, deceive you, torment you, and then take you as a weapon in his hand and attack That's what he wants you for. That's what he's recruiting you for. That's what he's lying to you for. He don't care about you. He'll do whatever needs to be done to keep you pacified out there. And there are some people, poor, broke, diseased, sick, and miserable, about ready to pull a, put a gun in their mouth and blow their brains out, and they're still servants of the devil. And that's all the devil's going to do. There's other people, as long as they got a little money, as long as they got a wife or a boyfriend and girlfriend, whatever it is, he, he will pacify you to keep you for the greater evil. But ultimately, especially for people like you, young people raised in this environment, he is recruiting you for one purpose. Come and let me use you to bring a reproach. I can tell you what, that ought to make you infuriated. And if it doesn't, make God help your poor, miserable soul. It ought to make you infuriated. Amen. You ought to consecrate yourself fully to God. Number three, how does someone come to the place where dog vomit and pig manure is more attractive than Jesus, where their love has waxed cold. You see, because iniquity shall abound, Jesus said, in days like we live, the love of many shall wax cold. 
You see, a departure from God is a departure from self-denial. Amen. And a departure from God is an exercise in self-love. To walk away from God is to walk away from all love, no matter what they sing about, no matter what they say, no matter what they advertise. Apart from God, sinners are incapable of expressing virtuous love. My grandma, who was a sinner, loved me. No, she didn't. She never did anything but love herself. It may look like love, I understand, but you need to believe what the Bible says. God is love! If you don't have God, then you just love yourself. And that's what sinners are doing. They are walking after that motive. That's why conversion is to deny yourself, to love God supremely, love your neighbors yourself. Amen. That is basically to reverse the way a sinner lives. Amen. They gratify themselves. They love themselves first. Then they may love those like their own. They may or show some, you know, compassion toward or what have you. It's not really virtuous. And then they ignore God, forget him, put him last, whatever. You see, listen to me. If our, our love wags cold, then we're not going to be able to stand. It's impossible to love anyone but yourself and departing from God. Amen. You know, if you were to leave here today, anybody here, anybody here as a Christian would decide to forsake the truth and go into the world. Do you know anybody holy, anybody godly who would rejoice? Anyone think of anyone? If you were to backslide, apostatize, go into the world with the news of that, do you know anybody holy, anybody godly who would be edified by that? None. Anybody Holy and godly would be grieved. Everyone. How about the bouncers at Illusions Club? What do you think they would do? They would rejoice. How about the, uh, the young ladies the other day that were doing unspeakable atrocities, unspeakable things uh, when they were pre- You think they'd probably rejoice, right? To hear that some of you young people chose to get away from this uh, quote-unquote uh, oppressive environment and to go out of the world. They'd rejoice. You see, the enemies of God would rejoice. The enemies of God would be strengthened. The hands of the devil would be strengthened. But the righteous would be grieved and weep. You see, the two greatest commandments demand we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. That's the first and the greatest commandment. The second commandment is like it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If we are not walking in love, then we forfeit perhaps the two greatest restraining influences of divine grace. Love for Jesus and love for other people. Amen. As you've heard me say, there's only one door in this kingdom. Amen. You're going to go through it to get in. You're going to go out it or you're going to have to go out of it to go out into that world. And if you love Christ, amen, to look him eyeball to eyeball and say, I would rather have the spoils of dog vomit and pig manure rather than the riches of heaven. That's a hard thing. You're capable of doing it because you have a free will. Well, that's a difficult thing to do if you've really seen him. To harden your heart enough to walk away. To walk through Jesus so that you can enjoy the world. The pleasures of sin is a dangerous thing indeed. To tell Jesus, move aside. 
You see, you're making a choice. It's either the snake or it's Jesus. That's the choice. The snake that's never told the truth. The snake that's never done anything but try to hurt you. Him or Jesus who loved you enough to die for you and has never, ever done one ill thing to you. That's the choice. The snake or the master. And not just that. Listen to me. To backslide. For me to backslide, I have to hate everyone who has ever truly loved me. And I have to strengthen the hands of those who have hated me. And not just hated me, but hated my Lord. You see, there's a restraint. I'm hemmed up. No use, no use even considering it. I'm not going to do that. How can I do that? How evil and how wicked that is for me to hate everyone that's ever loved me. And people do it every day. You know, I heard a story not long ago that illustrates illustrates this fact. There was a, a small town uh, in the Fritz Alps in one of the world wars that uh, it was bombed by the enemy and uh, it was a very strategic uh, area. And so the French sent a regiment into that uh, area there. It was a remote area to see if there were any survivors and to see whether they could secure, amen, that little hamlet there because of its uh, strategy, military stra- uh, strategic properties, uh, see whether they could secure it before the enemy came in. And so when they got up there, there were uh, survivors, a couple dozen survivors. And uh, they secured, the enemy had not come yet. yet. And then, so they gathered all the people that were there that had survived the bombing. And they told them, they said, we uh, will try to bring you out through the French Alps. Very rugged terrain, very difficult uh, to make it out. It was in the middle of the winter, sub-zero uh, temperatures or what have you. But soon the enemy was going to arrive to try to uh, overtake um, that uh, little hamlet there and to secure it and they would take probably kill all the prisoners or take them as prisoners of war. So uh, the, the officer in charge gathered the people together and said, we're going to send a, a, a platoon out and uh, we're going to send a, a duty officer and uh, you, you'll have to go through the, 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 the Alps and uh, he'll lead you. If you will stay on the path then you will be led to safety. But he stressed, we cannot leave anyone uh, back. No one can die. If you don't think you can make this trip, then just stay with the regiment, amen, and just, you know, try your luck here. But if you want to head out and follow this uh, duty officer through the mountains, then don't stop and don't give up. Because if we leave dead bodies all through the trail, they're going to be able to follow us out, and it's going to lead them to our headquarters. So they, you know, encourage uh, the people there to count the costs. Well, there were some older people, people of various ages and what have you, but they had one young woman there who had just had a child. She had an infant baby. And she, because of the baby and the vulnerability of an infant, she, uh, you know, considered whether she should go or not. But after, you know, thinking about it, she decided she was strong enough and she would take the child and hold the child close to her body and uh, that she would make the trip. So uh, the detail headed out through the mountains and they hadn't gone uh, very far, maybe a day 
or two uh, up into the heights. And uh, very, very cold and very, very difficult was the way. Uh, and as they stopped, amen, after they had spent the night, they rose up to head out in the morning. And an old man there just began to weep and cry and said, I can't make it. I'm totally, completely exhausted. There's no way I can take another step. Just leave me here to die and you go forward. And the officers came back and tried to reason with him. You've got to go. We cannot leave you here. You've got to rise up and you've got to move forward. The longer you stay sitting down, you're going to freeze to death. And they urged him vehemently, but he would not listen to it. So the, the officer went up to the front of the line where the young woman was with the infant. infant and he snatched that baby out of that woman's hand and went back and put that baby in that old man's lap. And he said, move out. And the woman began to weep and cry and say, you're leaving my baby. You're leaving my baby. And one of the officers grabbed her and and closed her mouth. They began to move forward. And the old man began to cry out. You can't leave this baby here. This baby's going to freeze to death with me. You can't leave the It's inhumane. And he began to rise up and run after, amen, the line to catch up with him. He was compelled by love. And listen to me. If you will love God and love your neighbor to choose dog vomit and pig manure over Christ and know that it's going to cause many young ones to stumble it will keep you in the kingdom of God how dare you not consider what your actions and choices will do to other people how dare you the love of many shall wax cold lastly here this morning the generation ultimately takes its toll. Proverbs 14 and 14, the backslider and heart shall be filled with his own ways. No matter who you are, before you were born again, you were a fool. And you were involved in a lot of folly. For you to backslide and heart, ultimately, you're going to be filled seven times greater with that same folly. You see, the spiritual dynamics of backsliding include a reverting of time. The change that takes place at conversion is not merely intellectual, but rather spiritual and moral. Great violence is done to the nature of man when he is born of God. He becomes a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. He becomes a partaker of the divine nature. Degeneration is basically the antithesis or the opposite of regeneration. We use the term regeneration. We're speaking of Christian conversion. Degeneration, amen, is basically the opposite. In other words, what a man gains when he is born of God, he forfeits when he dies in unconfessed and unforsaken sin. Why does a dog... Eat his own vomit. Because that's what dogs do. They eat their own vomit. That's the nature of the dog. The dog is comfortable with what should repulse any sane individual. Why does the sow wallow in her mire? Because that's what swine do. That's the nature of the hog. She can immerse herself in what we don't even want to touch. I can tell you what. I'm still a novice pig farmer. 
Only had two. But I can tell you, they stink. That mire stinks. It stinks. Only The only thing worse than that smell is the smell of something dead and rotting. Amen. That carcass that is decaying. But that pig mire, oh, terrible. To think, I don't even want it on me. In fact, uh, you know, I was the pig supervisor. Amen. I wasn't really the pig farmer. Grace was the pig farmer. <laughs> And Grace would go out there to feed the pigs and not even get anything on her. But you could smell her coming across the yard. She'd come inside and everybody would say, Oh, Grace, go take a shower. Just being around that smell. It clung, amen, to her clothes and to her person, you see. See, pigs stink. Amen, dogs do things unspeakable to partake in their own regurgitation. But this is likened, amen, to the fool returning to his father. Because it's unthinkable. And something has to happen in your heart for you to even consider doing that. It's the insanity of self. The insanity of sin. To be driven Driven to destruction. It's amazing how people always assume what they're going to do when they go out there. I can tell you what you're going to do. You're going to follow the same spirit that is dragging you out there. Amen. And that you're going to be subject to that spirit and whatever that spirit wants. That's what you're going to do. If you can be so utterly changed and so utterly deceived and so insensitive to the truth of God, amen, then don't think that you're going to overcome that spirit when you get out there. In fact, the best, amen, uh, the best chance that you have to overcome that thing, even in your deception, is here under the umbrella of grace and divine oversight. You don't know how much grace you do have. Really, you don't. Young people, just be it. You, 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 have no, you have no idea. You haven't been trained to be worldly wise. You're not equipped. You're equipped to be utterly exploited in the world. I mean, it's just, you know, by the time I was 12, I realized, hey, this is a dog-eat-dog world. I got to, to overcome, I got to really be a devil. You, you haven't been around people like that. You've been protected from all that. You're not worldly wise. You're, you're, you're naive. And you're vulnerable to the enemy. And that's why God wants. He wants you to be simple concerning what? Evil. But that's not all. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why he puts you where you are. It's his providence. Amen. You are there in the will of God by his hand and his providence. And he has placed you there so that you can be protected and raised up as godly saint. When a believer begins to backslide, he slowly undergoes a spiritual transformation. Sin brings death. Death fosters spiritual darkness, and darkness breeds deception. Amen. There's no exceptions to that. You're not the exception. What's deceived others is going to deceive you. The inward illumination and life is then dimmed. Moral conviction, if there's any, begins to fade. Amen. The revelation of God is extinguished. Why do you, listen to me, when you, you can know these churches where people, I, I judge not. You don't want to be too hard. That's too hard, Priya. I want to be encouraged, not condemned. 
You know why people like that? Because they're in sin. You, you can't preach. There's nothing wrong with hard preaching. Amen. There's only something wrong with hard hearts. There's nothing wrong with the truth. I don't care if you scream it hard. Jesus is Lord. How offensive they how, how you want me to say, Jesus is Lord. I preach about hell with a, with a tone of voice. That, the truth is the truth. Amen. I love the truth. Amen. I hate sin. Hey, let's, let's humiliate some sin. Let's lift up Jesus. That's never going to, no believer's ever going to hate that. No, no believer's ever going to oppose that. But why I've seen even in this church, I've seen, I've seen in my own house, I've seen children that I've sat down with and they begin to embrace these doctrines, they embrace these ideas and these thoughts. Why? They are sympathizing with sin because they are in sin. I'm not being, if you don't encourage me, if you don't let me listen to this kind of music, then I'm, I'm going to get offended. Get offended. Hurry up. You're not going to put a ring in my nose, devil, and make me tiptoe around your sin. You got to have that spirit toward your children. I love my children. I don't want them to go to hell. I do love them. But if they look at me and tell me, I don't want the God you serve because you won't let me do A, B, or C, I'm going to point my finger right back at them and say, You are a rebel. The worst thing I could do is go, Well, if you want to do that, I don't agree with you, but compromise. If God don't let me do it, amen, you're not going to do it. The passion slowly begin to deteriorate into the lower animal life until the individual is transformed into a brute beast. Nature is superior to environment, even this environment. The older you get, and yet if you're un, totally unsubmitted or refusing to give all to Christ, that truth is going to become more and more reality. If Romans 7 teaches us anything, it teaches us this principle. Amen. That nature is superior to environment. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. That's not a Christian experience. That's a legal experience. That's someone who knows what they should do. They know this is the standard. They know this is the law of God. They know this is what God requires. But they have no power to overcome. See, knowledge of the truth, environment, is not enough to keep you. You must truly have Jesus. No matter whether you're in CFF, no matter whether you've been homeschooled, protected all of your life, you must have what daddy and mommy has, amen? You must have what the apostle Paul had, amen? It doesn't matter, amen, one of you in here may not be a young person, may not be one of you parents that is experiencing what Charlie says, a legal experience, amen? You must have Christ, and Christ can give you the victory. This is the most joyous the most fulfilling, the most incredible. I mean, there's nothing like true Christianity. I'm not lying to you. 
But it doesn't come until you give all. Rest assured, if the fundamental governing principle of your life has not been conquered by Christ, there will never be any lasting victory. Way deep down at the very bottom of the essence of who you are. If that foundation is not Jesus Christ and him alone, you'll never have any lasting victory. You've got to give it all. But if you'll give it all, amen, you can be kept. And if you see him as he is, amen, listen to me. There's nothing more attractive, more beautiful, more fulfilling than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. To be tempted with dog vomit and big manure. That's what everything is out there. All the bright lights, all the promise of fame, fortune, pleasure, happiness, acclaim, whatever it is. God said it's dog vomit and pig manure. I'm going to choose Jesus. Let's stand here this morning. Hallelujah. 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 We thank you, Father. I pray. For the terror of the Lord, Father, particularly these young people. I know you want to speak to them. You want to speak to all of us, Father. I pray that we would see Christ as he is. Unveiled Jesus afresh to us here today. Lord, that we would burn the bridges.